Hello and welcome to the 75th episode of the Racket Boy Podcast. My name is Dave Heineman and I'm joined as always by my co-host John Stringer and we're here to talk about retro games and game culture. John, how are you doing this evening? Doing alright, trying to uh, live with Dave's technical difficulties so far. I think this is the third or fourth recording attempt, so we'll see if this one uh, third or fourth time is the charm. Yeah, I've had uh, many tech woes this week. My uh, my desktop computer, after about seven years of service, uh, that that particular build finally kicked the bucket this week, and uh, so I need to need to rebuild a you know entirely new computer. And uh, and on top of that, uh, my internet connection has been horrible, and uh, my wife's laptop I had to replace her keyboard, and it's just been. A lot of tech problems around here this week, so the, the podcast was sort of doomed probably to fall into all that at some point. Yeah, they always say when it rains it pours, right? Yeah, well, and I think I think the recent rain might have something to do with the <laughs> slow DSL connection, speaking of rain. But, uh, yeah, other than tech problems, pretty much same old, same old. I'm just spending a lot of time uh, babysitting the kid and uh, doing some gaming and reading and writing, so it's uh, you know pretty, pretty standard summer stuff. What about you? Uh... Bunch of the same old stuff for me. Um, I don't get any kind of summer break, so one week is just the same as any other, I suppose. Uh, done a little bit of gaming, um, got a few things, and we did have uh, E3 uh, was about two weeks ago now, a uh, week and a half ago, and then we uh, we also were in a Steam sale, which uh, usually gives us some stuff to talk about. But I guess yep, what. Uh, and- hmm? And we're going to be doing both of those things this this show, I think. Yeah, we'll we'll discuss uh, parts of both of those and how it's affected us, and maybe some more thoughts on on E3 and what we've seen. I know it's going to be a little late for some of you, but hey, we're retro gamers anyway, right? You don't you don't need cutting edge news. We we should give our impressions of E3 1999 or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time delay E3. Yeah, that would actually be interesting. Like you know, E3 ten years later, like what you know. Go back and well, what do we think of the announcements? How they pan out? No one, no one ever does that more than like a year later, right? Like a lot of times, people one year later, what's actually happened? But I don't think too often people do ten years later. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that could be an interesting uh, show topic. Maybe if uh, all listeners listen in, then we can go back. Though, how how easy is it to get E three footage from say fifteen years ago? Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't looked for it, right? So yeah. it might it might be really available easily, or you might have to do some digging and sure. you know, who knows. So there's always there's always you know there are still places you can get video that's not on the web too. So you could always uh, right, you know, right. If you're really ambitious, go go other physical routes. <laughs> <laughs> so what? But, uh, uh, so what have you been playing? Um, well, just before the show, I, I spent probably about uh, two and a half or three hours uh, playing Far Cry Blood Dragon, um, which I, I think I, on the 360, I, I think I downloaded it probably uh, six months or so ago. Um, but uh, I, I was um, doing some reading uh, for something that talked quite a bit about the game, and uh, I realized that I had to, uh, in order to really understand what it is they were writing about well, I should probably get around to finally playing the game. And uh, so I, I delved into it, and um, I kind of have mixed reactions so far. I, I think a lot of people really like the game because of its uh, sort of 80s homage, uh, cheesy one-liners, and uh, sort of some elements of like 
pixel and vector graphics at different points, and uh, some of that stuff works well. Some of it I thought not so well. Um, the uh, I, I have not played Far Cry Three, so this this is my only experience with the, the Far Cry Three engine. I I played quite a lot of Far Cry Two. I beat that game and quite enjoyed it. So, um, you know, it, it feels somewhat similar to that, but uh, I don't know. It's okay. It's uh, too early for a verdict. I. I don't intend to stop. I'm not giving up or bored of it yet, but it's not quite as funny or engaging as I think I'd been led to believe. Um, and do you do you have that any any interest in that one? Actually, uh, I just did buy it in the Steam sale. <laughs> oh, you but, did? Okay. Yeah. Well, I got the Far Cry collection, though. Maybe I shouldn't have since I have to. I forget I have to go through the damn Ubisoft thing as well. Yeah. Which, which is annoying because I I have one of the games the. Uh, What's that God Simulator type game? Um, I'm trying to think of it. Uh, a Far Cry game? No, uh, Ubisoft game that I, it's, I have it on Steam. It's like one of the more recent God type simulator. Hmm. Yeah, I don't play those, so well, I don't think I can tell you off the top of my head. It's a pretty well respected game, but I tried to. I got it on Steam. And then I so went like and tried like to... one of those dust one of those dust games or something from dust or is that yeah a yeah game? that that's what it was that's what it is okay yeah okay. from dust well I went to go play it and um, I get on my Ubisoft one that says my code's already been used and <laughs> yeah so I can't and I, then there's some reason I don't remember what the deal was but I can't get it in my Ubisoft uh, deal so I basically I can't play the game so I was kind of irritated with that though I have the Heroes of Might and Magic on there, which I play, which it's not too bad, but uh, it's just it's a mild annoyance, I suppose. Yeah. 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 No, that's that's actually the main reason I haven't played Far Cry Three is because I, I have that on PC and I've booted it up once or twice and it always goes to UPlay and like the one time I decided okay I'll deal with UPlay, like the UPlay servers were down and I couldn't. <laughs> couldn't even get in so I was like alright well I'm not going to bother so yeah but um, I guess other than that which I, I just tonight have been playing uh, I've been playing a lot of the uh, summer challenge games I um, am not <laughs> yeah I, I, I've never I, I, I usually don't finish more than about four of those a year I think maybe five or so would be my record um, but I, I've already beat eight I have two left um, nice. and uh, so the, most recently I, I've uh been playing uh, Typing of the Dead, um, which is a really interesting experience. It's uh, not entirely what I thought it might be like. I, I thought the idea of the game was in part to, to kind of train you to type better, but I, I what it has you do I don't think is especially useful in any kind of real typing situation. Um, not, not because in real typing you don't kill zombies, but because the uh, in, in real typing uh, you don't have to like escape mid-sentence to switch the focus of your uh, where, where, what you're writing, right. right? So, like, four boxes will pop up with four different sentences or words or whatever representing a different enemy on the screen, and uh, you can start typing, you know, the sentence of the zombie or whatever that's closer to you, but if another zombie gets closer in the meantime, you have to escape out of that sentence or word and start typing a different sentence or word and then sometimes escape back into it. And that's kind of frustrating because it's mm-hmm. not, the way that, not the way that I type uh, or anyone types for that matter. The game also doesn't uh, distinguish between uh, words that are capitalized or not, and it doesn't uh, require you to use the spacebar. It doesn't register the spacebar at all. It just kind of 
even if it puts you know a sentence up there, it basically is 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 calculating it as one long word, and if you hit the space bar, it just doesn't do anything. Well, that the problem cool. is the problem is the problem is when I'm typing, <laughs> I, you know, if I see uh, a capital letter or if I see a space, my my instinct is to to hit the shift key or to hit the space bar, which would be fine if if accuracy of that kind of thing was important. But in this game, that's a liability, right? Because that, it's a, it, it costs you time. So, I mean, the game is really novel. It's uh, it's interesting. I, I like how they've taken House of the Dead 2 and uh, tried to do something, uh, you know, quite unique with it. But as far as it, you know, rewarding you for typing well... Uh, I don't think I don't think it's the best simulator around for, uh, for 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 typing tutoring. It's basically not a trainer at all. It's just more of a using the keyboard as a mechanic in the game. Basically, yeah, yeah. So I, I am now I, I'm curious. I'll probably play it later this year to try the the new one to see if that fixed any of those kind of problems that I had with this old one because mm-hmm. they uh, they did one for the um, House of the Dead Overkill or whatever it was called. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in in trying the typing of the dead uh, for that one. But uh, other than that, I, I've been playing uh, mostly shorter games. I, I had a lot of shorter games in my summer challenge this year. So, um, well, I, I guess actually, last since we last talked, uh, I finished I Have the Beholder. But I'll let you talk about that a bit. Um, but I played a couple shorter games: uh, Mario World for the Virtual Boy, which uh, was about as much Virtual Boy as I think my eyes can take. And um, <laughs> it uh, it was a good game, though. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I did not like the final boss. I thought he was. Uh, ridiculously tough compared to the rest of the game, but uh, eventually beat him. Um, Bushido Blade, uh, which is really also kind of interesting and novel. Um, a lot of these games I'm playing are are, are well-known or considered classics mostly because they're kind of unique, and um, Bushido Blade would, would be one of those. Um, have you ever tried that one? I have not. No? Are you you're familiar with the premise? Yes. It's yeah, kind of like, like a one... fighting brawler type game, right? It's like, a, well, it's, it's like a fighter. It, no, it's a fighting game. It's a yeah. it's you know one versus one with weapons, but it's it's single hit kills, okay. basically. Um, there's no health bar. There's um, you know I mean there's, you can hit them multiple times, but if you can hit them like right with the death stroke, uh, you know that basically uh, it finishes them off. So it's a, it's a lot of defense. It's a lot of um, gauging the movement of your character in order to figure out. Like how you need to respond, or how you need to, uh, how you need to act in order to, you know, respond to what the computer is doing and uh, or what the other player is doing. So uh, it was it was interesting. Um, you know, I think it, it also has uh, like like uh, this next game I want to talk about, Marvel versus Capcom. They they both kind of have like one uh, computer controlled enemy that is sort of grossly unfair. <laughs> um, and uh, for me, that kind of ruins the, the challenge or ruins the fun of the game because, you know, in Bushido Blade, I think it's less excusable in Marvel vs. Capcom. It's, that's an arcade game meant to munch quarters, and I can sort of understand the financial reasons that they might do that, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help the game to have a, a boss character that is just steeply, steeply different than anything else leading up to it. Even if there's a natural progression of everything else, you can't kind of jump the boss up as much as, uh, as those games do, so... Anyway, I enjoyed them. I'm glad I played them, but that made me probably not want to play them a lot anymore. But that, that's mostly what I've been playing. Um, uh, the other thing I guess I didn't put on here is that's a summer challenge game that I have not yet finished. Uh, is I've, I guess I've played about 12 hours of the original Thief. 
since we last recorded. Hmm. Um, have you ever played that one? That's one I haven't played, but I should play. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, I didn't. I generally don't like stealth games. Um, well, for instance, in Blood Dragon, you can play a stealthy, or you can kind of play in guns blazing. And I I almost always choose the guns blazing approach, but uh, you can't do that in um, in Thief. Like you, you just won't get very far for very long, and uh, so it it really forces you into stealth, but in a way that uh, isn't annoying and is really compelling and it's really well done, especially for as old as the game is. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, the, the graphics have aged, uh, quite a bit, and the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, some, some of the mechanics are a bit clunky, the controls can be a bit clunky, but once you get the hang of it, it's, it's really, uh, a very compelling game. So, once, once my new desktop is up, that's probably first thing I'll fire up with my fancy new graphics card will be Thief once again to try to, <laughs> try to finish, try to finish it up, but, uh. That's, that's what I've been playing. What about you? Well, let me see here. Let me talk about my pickups first. Sure. And then it'll kind of lead into my what I'm playing. Um, so let's go to my Steam sales uh, pickups. Um, I know you haven't gotten a bunch, huh? What's that? Uh I heard a, a weird noise there. Um, you you heard you heard you heard my phone vibrate because because <laughs> I can't turn my phone off now. So, <laughs> well, I got uh, let's see, I got alphabetically. Uh, some of these I'll just gloss over. Won't even talk. Some I'll, I might dig into a little bit. But I got a uh, the Age of Empires two and three HD packs. Um, I think that was the first day. I got the Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons. I think it's called. And I've heard good things. Yeah, yeah. Did she play that one? Yeah, that's really good. You should. Uh, I, I would bump that up your list pretty. It's not too long either. I think yeah. five or six hours or something. So yeah, you should definitely play that. Then I got Delver, which looks like a uh, uh, little indie roguelike RPG. Uh, I got the Far Cry collection that I already mentioned, and I have never played any of the Far Cry games. So I mean, I got the Gone Home game, which, which I know you've been talking about a bunch. Yeah, it's it's worth playing. It's it's also fairly short, but. It's just kind of a compelling, different video game experience. Yeah. So it's not really gamey. Like, there's some puzzle-solving and clue-finding stuff, but it's uh, it's different. They got the Metro Last Light uh, pack. Yeah, which, nice. Uh, I've been meaning to get that on a sale, and it's, it was under $10, so I couldn't pass it up. I got yep, the yep. Sh- Shadowgrounds game, uh, pack, which is Shadowgrounds and its sequel. Are you familiar with that one at all? I'm familiar with the name. I'm, I'm, I've never played them, but it's uh, like a overhead isometric shooter action-y... Maybe it might be some RPG elements to it. I can't. Kind of, remember. kind of, kind of XCOMy. No, it's not turn-based. It's more like uh, it would seem more like maybe an overhead contra game or uh, what is? We just got a game recently on the P the PSN Plus free games maybe a few months ago. The zombie killing game. Yeah, oh, okay, like a... 3D, iso- you know, the, the three-quarter overhead isometric. Yeah, 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 like Dead, Na- Dead Nation or whatever that is? Yeah, 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 that one. It's kind of yeah. like, you okay. run, I think you like, run around and you, you know, shoot like that. And, uh, oh, you know what, Shadowgrounds, was that something that, you know, I wonder if I have that. Like, is that something that was also, um, like, an Xbox game? Yeah, I think so. I think it's about seven or eight years old. Yeah, let's see if I have that. But, uh... I think it might have been, oh, no, I'm trying to... Then I got Stanley Parable. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, that one seemed interesting. 
I think I think you would like that more than Gone Home, but both are kind of uh, best best experienced in kind of one chunk for their yeah. novelty. So I got Titan's Quest, which you know that it's kind of a Diablo clone. Yeah, yeah, I have that too. I've never played it. I, one of these days. And I got Wolf Among Us, which is one of the the, the newest Telltale uh, point and click adventure type game. Right. Yep. Which uh, I've heard, you know, mostly good things about all the games, and the premise seemed pretty cool, so I've been meaning to pick it up. So that's all of my pickups. Well, I also did get Shovel Knight today yeah. from my Kickstarter, which uh, I'll uh, talk a little bit more of that in a bit. It's uh, part of my news for the uh, retro gaming news. Okay. Uh, uh, and then my. So the, I haven't really been playing any of those, but I did get a Retron 5. And uh, despite my um, reservations about it, I didn't really think I was going to get one. And, you know, I have a PC hooked up to my TV, which can emulate basically everything. There was a guy in Nintendo Age that was selling it for $100 shipped. Basically, he said he took it out of the box, didn't play it, put it back in the box. $100 shipped. Well, you know, as many of you might know, the MSRP on it now is $140. So I was like, well, I guess that's too good of a deal to pass up. So... I picked it up and uh, got it in earlier this week and been trying it out. Uh, it, it, you know, I could probably go without it. I could really just use my PC to emulate, but mm -hmm. it does look pretty nice uh, over HDMI. The sound is pretty good. Uh, it's very good, especially for you know one of the uh, clone type machines. Um, the controller is pretty terrible. Basically, I wouldn't use it unless you um, had to have a wireless controller, I guess, and or uh, to use it for the menus because it's it all ha it has all the built-in menu buttons for the console itself. It's I kind of uh, I'll plug in whatever system controller I want to play with, and then take the wireless Retron Five controller with me just so if I want to, you know play with any settings I, can, I have it on hand but otherwise or if I want to do a quick save state or if I want to fast forward the emulation but other than that I you know actually using it as a controller in the game is uh, exercise and futility for the most part my wife is hating mm -hmm. it trying to do a platformer on it she I think she's trying to play Super Mario 2 in the NES and she was getting pissed and dying a lot and she's kind of a pro at that game so she was, it's, like, it's kind of like a like a clicky uh, like Neo Geo pad type. Yeah, and it's got like it's almost like the NES Max too in a way where you have this big circular inner inner portion and it kind of moves to the direction you're trying to go. So, yeah, and it clicks in that direction too. So, well, I'm not saying it's it's not as bad as the NES Max, but it's it's probably you know similar to the Neo Geo one. Yeah, but like if I was playing a, a menu driven RPG. I think you'd be okay, but if you're trying to do precision jumping in a platformer or something, then you're going to be very, very frustrated. That said, I did play the first two levels of Desert Strike with it, <laughs> and <laughs> it wasn't at first. I was, you know, it was like I couldn't keep my helicopter straight, but I did start to adapt, as most of us probably would. And despite some frustrations, I was able to actually go through it and beat the first two levels. So, I mean, that's one of your summer challenge games, right? Was it? I think I thought it was. No, oh, summer it is, challenge that's, game. Uh, that is dumb luck. 
You don't remember, huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? I think it is one of my summer challenge games. So yeah, I need to beat that. I've never, I've always, you know, I've probably done those first two levels so many times and not done many levels past that. So I need to. I love the games. I just need to stick with them. So they I get play, hard. Yeah, the desert track I think is really hard. It's harder than the others, if I remember correctly. Because um, mm -hmm. you get less and less resources, and sometimes it. It can feel cheap at times when stuff gets... Yeah, you're kind of flying around looking for stuff. And then suddenly something appears and boom, you're dead. And you're like, ah. Oh. But, um... Yeah. So I played that. Uh, try, basically, try, you know, I, I, I was trying the, the system out and I was mostly playing Genesis games. I guess my Genesis carts are right next to where the Retron 5 sits, so that's, that's probably why. I tried mm. El Viento, which Hobie had talked this game up a bunch... And it looked cool, and I know it's more of a, a rarer collector. You know, it's not; it's an uncommon game. It's not rare, mm -hmm. and it's not super expensive. But I think it's like a thirty-dollar complete, thirty, forty-dollar complete Genesis uh, cart, and uh, you don't see it too often. But it was kind of underwhelming. I thought it'd be a little better. It's kind of a, bra uh, you know, a beat 'em up slash maybe it's more of a platformer. But there's, it's not a you know, from what I saw, it wasn't a, much of a. Uh, precision jumping type platformer more of a uh, you know side scrolling you shoot your little ninja star out and you can shoot magic kind of game so normally mm. those games really I really like them but it was just kind of alright I guess it, it wasn't bad but it wasn't like oh yeah this is so awesome it was just yeah it's, it, it, I guess it's average and I think maybe it's uh, how uncommon the game is and that it has a pretty cool female protagonist maybe make some put put it a little higher than others due to its uniqueness but as far as the gameplay goes it's very generic and uh the character seems much too big for the screen too tall and i don't know it's you know it's not one that uh i'm gonna be like oh yeah you know i'm gonna recommend or you know yeah i really could play some more el viento again but uh, we'll, we'll see what <laughs> some people's response on that and then i was playing uh, pirate's gold which is you know Sid Meier game, and actually I played that mm -hmm. for about a few hours last night. Um, later than I expected. I've always loved this game, and uh, I never actually got to where I did all the ten little pirate uh, quests to kind of I guess if you want to say beat the game really. But you know it's kind of like Civ. You know you could start and play it and play it again, play it again. Do you really beat the game? I, I guess you can, but. Um, I've actually had seven of the ten quests done as of last night, and pretty early on. So it's uh, I remember I played it a lot as a kid, and then you know I'd maybe get five, and I was excited. So, mm. but uh, it's uh, you've never played any of the Pirates games? No, I've not. No, I'm not. I'm not generally a big fan of Sid Meier's game. I mean, I under <laughs> understand the appeal; they're just not not my ball of wax. Uh, see, I love it. In this one, you basically. Um, you're uh, you take over as a uh, a pirate leader or a pirate captain, and you get your ship. And there's several different ships from the and you're in the Caribbean, uh, and you pick a you know Spain, England, France, or uh, the Dutch to uh, privateer for basically. And mm -hmm. you you go around, you attack other ships that you encounter, you steal their loot. Um, you can go into a town, you can attack towns, steal their loot, uh, or I'm sorry, steal their gold and their goods. You can kind of do some very uh, 
basic trading if you really wanted to you know buy low here sell high there you sail around the Caribbean you look for pirate you get pirate treasure you you know you try to find the pirate treasure you you duel a lot of uh, other pirates and, and captains to get information and you, and you kind of build up your pirate fleet with more troops and attack towns and acquire loot and do all that so it's it's different than like say civilization or something right um, well I don't know I, I feel like um, after playing uh, Assassin's Creed 4 I'd, I'd be hard pressed to find another pirate game I'd enjoy as much yeah maybe I don't know uh, I heard so my friend told me that he played it said there's some similarities in how that worked with, uh, with the way Pirate's Gold is but I think it'd be hard to kind of compare the two yeah, well, they're so far apart in time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's basically what I've been playing. Um, what about Eye of the Beholder? You didn't talk about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. sorry. I, but, well, let me finish more about my Retron 5 uh, impressions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I did try Chrono Trigger in it, and it looks nice. I've playing around with the filters. It's hard to, you know, if you... I know there's some that are pro-filter, some anti-filter. Uh, I tend to, th you know, if, if I'm on a... Uh, if I'm on a CRT or something, I wouldn't want one. But if I'm on the uh, a bigger LCD screen type thing, um, I think the filters work. I think they. Uh, I don't think some of the jaggy lines do all you know lend itself well to the to an LCD screen. So I, I, I played around with some and I found one that I, I kind of like. And while it's not perfect, uh, you kind of there's a trade off there. But uh, I think overall it is the better experience for the screen. And uh, I do not like the scan lines with the, with the filter on, so I, I definitely turn mm. those off. But I've never been a big scan line purist or anything. Uh, right. So maybe what? I'm, I'm a retro betrayer, but just <laughs> uh, I do have my big CRT and I play my games on that. And then I, I just don't think uh, trying to emulate that look on the on an LCD doesn't really quite do it justice and just kind of makes it look a little weird. So, well, well, does it have uh, does it have video out other than HDMI? Does it have no. CRT connections? No, nope. nope, not for the Retron. Nope. No component or anything. No, it has a an HDMI port, and that's it. Oh, okay. So, but I I don't know if you're gonna play them on the CRT. I don't think this would be the machine for you to get anyway. I guess, but though I know some no. do yeah. to, you know, that's why they have some of the other uh, clone systems for for an older TV, but. Uh, this is definitely made for the modern TV in mind when they designed it, and yeah. uh, which is understandable. And why sure. they probably had to emulate, because if you just tried to do the clone hardware emulation instead of the software emulation like they're doing here, that uh, it probably wouldn't work as well. So um, so that, that, that stuff's not so bad. The sound is pretty good. It's pretty... It's fairly authentic. Uh, it's... Unless you heard one side by side uh, or right after the other, you, it'd probably be hard pressed for you to say which one is which or which one is more authentic. I think for the for the most part, it does pretty well there. Um, the materials of the card itself, you know, it's it's it looks all right. I guess the the build the quality is decent, kind of what you'd expect. The, like I already said, the controller is not very good. It's also really light, so that's kind of annoying. Um, the cart slots, the Super Nintendo cart slot's not so bad. The Genesis cart slot is, 
you almost got to get vice grips to pull that card out. It, it really grabs on, and it's almost difficult to, to put it in as well. You can get it in wow. and try, trying to pull them out. You know, it's you think some of those replacement NES 72-pin connectors are bad. These are, you know, the jaws of life, you know, bite attacks <laughs> on them. And you, it, you really got it. Maybe they'll loosen up over time, but hopefully that doesn't start damaging the pins on, on those pin connectors, so... Yeah, right. Or the labels or anything else. Yeah, my Genesis one, uh, the Genesis one is the worst. Uh, the Super Nintendo one wasn't too bad. Uh, it hasn't had any issues recognizing any of the carts I've used yet. Uh, Chrono Trigger I put in, it didn't recognize it first. I pulled it out, put it back in. That's the only one that's done that. It loads up the carts in a couple seconds. So it, it it's pretty quick with that. Um, yeah, so in the end... I didn't really need it. It doesn't really do anything that I can't already do, I guess. Playing off the cart and then saving back to the cart, I guess that that's one benefit that my computer couldn't do, my PC couldn't do. But I'm really just going to use the save states anyway. Uh, so, uh, and having, I guess having one little box that has all the controller ports, has a card reader, all that, there's some appeal there. But if I didn't get it for a deal, I would not have been pleased to pay $140 for it. $100, I feel fine paying that much for it if that puts right. any, any perspective it's kind of right on that bubble for me so uh if, if you if now if you have these systems hooked up to your tv already and you don't have a gamecube with component maybe for the gba player and you you're really you know really tight for space then it probably would be a, a good option for you so if you have enough space and you already have you know modded retro consoles for you know s video and and possibly RGB and have that set up, then, you know, you're, this is not the machine for you, which those people probably, probably already know that, so. Hmm. It, it's, it's decent for my, my main game room, where I unhooked the NES and Super Nintendo that was in there. My retro room, I still have one in there if I want to play on the CRT, so I think it's a, a good system for a, a more modern game room that, that if you, you know, split them up a little bit, so. But I'll, I guess I'll end my, my Retron talk there. If, uh, I've avoided talking about it on the forum because I wanted to talk about it here first. But as I play around with it more, I'll uh, give more input uh, on the forums. Okay. Uh, I did start Eye of the Beholder. I've done the first two dungeons. I haven't played it since. I, uh, I'm running Ah. Got to get on that. Huh? Got to get on it. I should. Uh, and I, I intend to. Uh, it's... Playing it on DOSBox, um, it's pretty good. You know, you can tell it's an old game. That's obvious. Uh, mm-hmm. by, not just by the looks, just by the, by the way it plays. And there's. Have you ever played a game uh, that like from the Goldbox series? A game that old? I've played Goldbox games. Yes. Because this predates most of those, right? Yeah, but most of the Goldbox games are actually more of the uh, turn-based strategy type games. So like. Uh, a game I really liked is from the Gold Box that I actually play on there and on. The, they actually ported a few of the Gen, uh, Gold Box games to the Genesis. So say uh, Buck Rogers uh, is on the Genesis I've played and Starflight, and I've played them both also on DOSBox. So mm-hmm. I've played games from that era era before, and um, as most of them, the RPG. So it, it's it, you know it doesn't look that bad to be honest for how old it is. It doesn't look that bad. Uh, especially in the DOS, but I don't know. You played on the Sega CD, so I'm not sure about the visuals on that. Mm-hmm. And 
I was kind of cringing to think of how bad it was going to be on the Super Nintendo, but uh, my DOS boss was uh, pretty decent. Yeah, I played it. I played it with a Mega Mouse, but so uh, I played it with the the Mega Mouse on the Sega CD, mm-hmm. and I ended up having to do something very strange to get it to work, but it it ended up working well for me. So um, the Mega Mouse has uh, three mouse buttons, right? A, B, and C corresponding to the to the controller. And um, you have to plug it into one of the controller ports. And you're supposed to be able to play the game uh, just with the mouse. And if you look at the manual for the game, it, it says you can just use the mouse. But I'm, I'm wondering if there's something about the CDX that wouldn't be completely compatible with it because I the B button wouldn't work. Huh. But this is where it gets weird. But I could plug the mouse into one controller port and a regular Genesis pad into the other controller port and both would work in the game at the same time. Hmm. So what I, what I ended up doing basically was kind of like a mouse keyboard setup <laughs> where uh, I used the mouse uh, to you know move the cursor around and um, I could use one or two of the buttons on them. I guess maybe one button I used on the mouse for certain kinds of actions. But like for all my attacking, which is I think the B button, I would, uh, with my left hand, I would tap the uh, B button on the controller. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a like a mouse keyboard setup, uh, but mouse controller setup, and it was strange way to play a game. I've never played a game that way, but it, it worked really well. And I'm glad I had the mouse. Like, having the mouse was really... Uh, I don't think I'd want to play it with just a, just a D-pad. Yeah, I play it with a mouse on the DOS, so you can play with that. But yeah. It's nice. Um, I guess my biggest frustrations with the game would be the UI, which is a big frustration with most of the games from its time period, at least for me. Um, Would be what? The UI. Oh, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to attack or you want to switch, oh, no, I want to, uh, you know, use a Change a weapon. Or mm-hmm. Change a weapon or throw a rock or what you have to do often. you got to click the portrait and move it into their equipment slot. Yep. Unclick the portrait. And if you're getting your ass kicked by some enemy in front of you and you're trying to do all this, it's kind of uh, annoying. Um, yeah, I, I never did, so I always basically just decided that, you know, what, whatever I come into this fight with is what I'm going to use, <laughs> and uh, if, if that doesn't work, then I'll reload my last save and come in with different stuff and, and try it that way. So, yeah, I mean, it for the reasons you mentioned, it's impractical to do any kind of real-time swapping of, uh, of things. Yeah. Well, I would do the swapping, or, you know, just uh, uh, normal puzzles, you know, okay, you got to throw a rock here. Okay, I'm gonna go open my inventory, switch the rock over to the. Okay, I throw the rock. Okay, uh, gotta put my weapon back in there. Go pick up the rock again if I want to keep it. And it would be nice if there's just a little hot bar, you know, just a hot bar for each character would be nice. Um, with the you could stick little items in, and so I mean I, I guess it's a minor gripe. It, it's not game breaking, but it's just an annoyance. Uh, I also probably didn't play it the way it's supposed to be played. I didn't pull out the graph paper and do my map. I had a map on my second monitor up and would use that to look. So I'm kind of cheating, I guess. But... No, I, I, I did that uh, with some regularity. I mean, really, the, the game is, because of the graphics, I mean, it's it's really hard to, to tell where you are a lot of the time. And, well, it's, uh, got a, it's got a compass. Well, it has a compass, and it does have a map in the game, but it's it's still... I don't know. Like to me, it seemed like a game that's made to be sold with a guide. Yeah, possibly. Um, possibly. I just, 
I think a lot of the charm for a lot of people with those games or some of the enjoyment was to pull out that graph paper and, you know, make your own maps as you travel through the dungeons, this type of thing. And then that's part of the, the challenge, I suppose. You know, there's no real story to it, of course. And the characters were well, generically made. There, there is. So there's, well, you have to get... No, no, you have to get down... When you get yeah. down to level five or six, um, the game at that point kind of really comes into its own. There's, there's a... Uh, a more deliberate story. There's some cutscenes that uh, that unfold that tell you some things you have to do and talk about some of the people in your party. And uh, I mean, it, don't expect anything grand and amazing, but th- there's a, a bit more motivation than just get to the bottom. Okay. Um, well, I know there's, there's uh, a beholder you got to go kill or something, basically. Right, right. But but uh, there's some there's some more stuff. So I, I won't tell you what's going on. But I, I think you know, and, and I know that uh, there's a couple other people who are. Uh, Kind of thinking of playing the game, or started it, or haven't gotten far or on the fence. But uh, you know, if, if there's a lack of motivation for what you're doing, I, I think if you can get to about the halfway point, that the game will provide enough sort of basic motivation that uh, you, you'll want to see it through to the end. So. I could probably do two dungeons a night. I think after that second one, I, I needed a break. But that's to say, like, oh, finally it's over. It was more of a. Yeah. It's one of those like I got to take them little chunks like that. But, well, I will tell you. I will tell you. Eventually, you have to start uh, jumping up and down floors. Yeah, I've done that a little bit. So, yeah. So it's not just uh, <laughs> it's not just like keep going down, keep going down. You know, you, like you'll jump from like eleven to eight to five, back down to seven. I mean, there, there's some of that later on. That's kind of annoying. Well, it, it's uh, it, it provides an interesting challenge. I suppose so. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I find it satisfying. It's not great. I'm not, you know, it's not one of those where it's it hasn't sucked me into where, yeah, I really need to play some more out of the beholder. But when I played it, I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't regret my time with it either, kind of thing. So I I enjoy it, especially I enjoy it for what it is. But it, you know, it wouldn't be one of those I'd recommend or want to come back to. Once I beat this game, I'll probably never play it again. Yeah, well, I, I I don't think I'll play it again, but I did download um, was it Legend, Legends of Grimlock? Yeah, which is supposed to be kind of in a similar vein. So, yeah, it is. Uh, I I I am really kind of curious because I I think I bought that maybe last year in the Steam sale, mm-hmm. and uh, now that I've played uh, the kind of game that inspired it, I'm very interested to see what they've done to update the formula. So I might I might give that a go here before the summer's out. Yeah. Well, that's my thoughts on it so far. I need to play it a little more. I know I have until July 11th, which is coming up around the corner here. So, yeah. Uh, then we got to decide our, our uh, next game for the for the next two months. We haven't started that discussion yet, so we'll see how that goes. Oh right. yeah. yeah. So what, what? Let's go. Let's get to our news then. We talked about our what we're playing for a little while now. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so the we, news that I picked uh, was just I, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about the. Uh, auction that uh, was up on game gavel for the uh, quote-unquote world's largest video game collection yeah at least as uh, as certified by guinness um and i don't remember if we talked about this at all previously or if the auction started after we recorded the last show we did not start talk about the auction i think we may have mentioned his collection appearing on the guinness uh, uh records at one point when it after it happened uh, maybe a year or so ago but we have not yeah. talked about the sale so, so uh, for those of you, those of you who are listening who didn't follow this in any way, the uh, 
person who uh, has a Guinness Certified World's Largest Collection, which is, I think, about 8,500 titles or so. No, I think it's more um, like 11. Or no, like 11,000, 11,000, 11, sorry, about 11,000 titles or so. Um, uh, recently put their uh, collection up for, for auction on GameGavel, uh, citing sort of family reasons why they needed to sell it to make some money. And uh, uh, the auction sat, I guess, up there for about two weeks, and for the first week, week and a half, it was struggling to get, you know, 30, 40, 50, and eventually got up to about what, 80 or $90,000, um, yeah. which is pretty impressive. It's like 92 uh, it went up to. Yeah. And then uh, one or two people bid it up to about seven hundred or $750,000. I forget, some, somewhere in that range eventually. And uh, I think so the auction been doing is trying to find what the reserve was. Right, which turns out was like 700000 um, so, uh, they, you know, they figured out, they found out what the reserve was and they got it up that high. And, uh, uh a couple of days after the auction closed, uh, the, the person who put it up, uh, made a post on a, another, uh, retro gaming website, Digit, Digit Press, um, mentioning that the person who, uh, had bid, uh, turned out not really to many people's surprise to be a shill bidder. Uh, they, they, they were not actually going to pay, nor probably could they pay three quarters of a million dollars for his collection, uh, a bid which would place the value of each game at about $70 each. And um, and th then uh, after he posted this and kind of complained about it, uh, there was a lot of debate and discussion about, well, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, the, the sale itself wasn't genuine. He doesn't have the largest collection. There's people with, you know, probably at least half again as much as what he has. And, um He's uh, there, there's a lot of I don't know. Did you look over the pre the thread over on Digipress after yeah. the uh, yeah? There's a lot of animosity, a lot of uh, posturing, and people being upset about uh, what he did. People being upset that others are upset about what he did. Uh, claims about collection sizes and all these other things. But I don't know. I mean, uh, looking at his collection, uh, I I would be hard pressed to see it reasonably wor being worth more than. Maybe a hundred or hundred and fifty on a good day, um, at most. But well, he didn't provide enough details item. about what yeah. was sailed. Yeah, and, and on an individual item basis, right? So, and, and he didn't pro provide enough information about what was sealed, and uh, the, the the full sets he had generally weren't super impressive full sets. I mean, like you know, a full U.S. TurboGrafx set that's pretty impressive, and um, the Sega CD set's nice, and but he didn't have. You know, like a full NES system uh, set, or a uh, he didn't have many import sets and that kind of thing. You know, a full a full sealed Jaguar set is great, but you know, it's like 50 games or something, and most of them aren't that valuable. So, um, yeah, it was it was a bit of an interesting auction. There was a lot of debate and controversy about it on on Racket Boy, and then certainly other places as well. Um, you know, I, I feel a little bit bad for him because I'd like to have seen him sell it and uh, take care of some of the, the problems he had going on. But, um, you know, I, obviously he's not going to get what he wants for it. No. So. Now, what 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 are, what are your thoughts on? It? Do you think do you think he should put it up again? Do you think uh, do you think what what are, what are your thoughts? Well, if he wants to sell it, he wants to sell it. It's his it's his it's his games to sell, and you know it's it's all you know it's up to him to do it. Now. Uh, he his reserve is unreasonable and no one's ever gonna pay that for one. Um, he he get it on there. It's all I know what these games are worth and uh, how rare to have all these together. He 
you're not going to pay more than their individualized adding price just for having the novelty of saying I have the Guinness collection. I think if he, I think he thinks it will. Yeah. Then I think he's delusional. Uh, yeah. Or just <laughs> uh, uh, really hopeful, but if and that this also gets to the point of selling a big collection bulk. Most people expect bulk discount for one. Two, I think a lot of the enjoyment out of collectors is the collecting. So if you are uh, if you just buy it all at once, you kind of lose that. Okay, now I got all these games. I got them all cool. Uh, now what? Now you know, you you've kind of taken away a lot of the fun out of the of the whole collecting, which is the hunting and finding games for the collection. So I think it, it, you kind of defeat the purpose by doing it. The only person I could really see buying this would be a store, and that wanted a lot. Well, of that's money. one of the bidders was the store. Yeah, a store that could make some money, so bulk discount, and they could have some uh, eclectic items and they're you know some more uncommon and possibly rare and sealed items for their store to really set them apart from other stores so that would be the only one i could see and i don't see a store paying more than probably 80 90 maybe 100 for it so i think you you know that's not a, a number to scoff at at all but you know if he really wanted to get his money worth out of it he's gonna part it out but then he's not going to be able to label it as the guinness collection so that's the other problem though is people had about it this is not the biggest collection or you just got with guinness just so you could mark it up and sell it and if he did that's people do marketing type stuff all the time and he's not necessarily lying he's just saying that the guinness recognized one so i can understand why someone could be annoyed by that if they have a bigger collection but uh, and Guinness also sells stories, so he's probably a more compelling character to get to, to put the re- the collection to maybe than some of the other ones. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily really have a problem with that. It's more of a you know it's his games. If he wants to sell them, he can sell them. Uh, I think people some people don't like some of the media attention he got. Uh, what are you gonna do? You know you gonna say no? Don't give me any media attention. I don't want any free advertising for my sale. You know it's that's people wanting them act in an irrational, illogical fashion to not. To not uh, self-market and, and publicize him his sale, so you you always want to get more money for it. So no one's going to turn that down. Uh, but I just you know I, he's also not going to get hit his reserve, so it's he can put it up again. He's just spinning his wheels though. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm really kind of interested to see what ends up happening uh, at at this point. So like if someone bids, like do you have any idea what happens like to somebody who bids? You know. Uh, a bid that they have no intention of paying. Like, it, it, is it just simply okay? Well, you're kicked off this site, or are there ways that like legal action can be taken against them? Or what? What? Uh, do you have any idea? I don't think any legal action can be taken against them, especially through Game Gavel. I don't really think they have the legal prowess to uh, to go for the to go after any of these people. They may posture, yeah. and I don't. I'm that. I, I don't know enough about the law. Uh, regarding auctions and bids i think the worst is you're just going to get banned from ever using that service in the future yeah would be, would be my guess right i mean I, I i'm curious like maybe even something like ebay right like you know uh some some big item goes up on ebay which which happens from time to time like what happens if someone yeah. shill bids that does ebay take legal recourse or do they just say oh okay well you're banned from ebay 
I don't know if they take it really good course. I know there's a lot of people that, you know, a lot of deadbeat buyers all the time, and obviously they're not all getting arrested or they're, you know, getting fined. So um, I think eBay would really have a hard time actually pursuing it. It's probably not in their interest to do it. What are they going to get out of it? Right. eBay's in there to yeah. make money. They're not going to, it's not like they're going to force some people to pay money they don't have. So I don't think real, eBay's really into it. They're not, uh, I, I think it's just one of those where they just get banned. Yeah, but I could yeah. be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they can like ruin your credit or something like that or or what. So I don't know. They, they, I could see that possibly being a tactic, but. Hmm. So anyway, that was my that was my news. I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about that. Um, I, don't, I don't have too much more to say about it, but I think it was kind of an interesting uh, retro related story this year, and Definitely, uh, it'd be interesting to see what what he does, if anything. It did make some waves. Um, my news is about the release of Shovel Knight. Okay, it's not retro, but it is. if you've seen the game and see how it plays, it plays like a retro game. It looks like a retro game, and it's got all the retro charm. Uh, I kickstarted it. We had played, actually, we interviewed one of the lead yep. developers uh, for From Yacht Shovel Club. Knight. Yep, Yacht Club. Yep. At PAX East in 2013. And yeah, that was a very enjoyable interview. I, I played it, the game there as well, and uh, I f- it finally released today. So uh, it's on the, the Wii U, the 3DS, and PC, which will be which is on Steam. And I downloaded it and played the first level earlier today, and it was really great. Uh, it's it, it, the gameplay itself lends itself a lot to uh, Ducktales and uh, Castlevania. It's got some elements of Mega Man where you, you know, have the different, uh, you know, Mega Man-ish type bosses where they all have, you know, their unique identities and powers, and you also upgrade your weapons and change them out, a la Mega Man. Um, there's some Zelda 2 in it where you go to towns and you know, it's like a side-scrolling town and you, you talk to townspeople. So it's got a, a mishmash of all the things and they do it really well. They a lot of attention to detail. Uh, controls are really tight and uh, I think the the praise uh, the reception online has been very positive so far so it's going to be one of those uh, indie darlings I think for the year yeah yeah no I, I have uh, you know I, I had kind of passing interest in it but seeing all the reviews I, I definitely have more interest in it now mm-hmm. um, and uh, so one of the questions I have though is uh, I know that it, it uses a lot of uh, 8-bit Aesthetics and it's trying to uh, to mimic an NES style, but is it is it one of those games that does that perfectly, or is it a game that basically is doing a lot of things that could never have been possible on NES hardware? But yeah, the, it, it it looks like NES, but an NES couldn't play this game. Yeah, yeah. I don't think. I think the resolution's a bit too high, if I'm not mistaken. It's pixel and it's hand drawn. A la NES, the gameplay is similar, but you, know, you couldn't get this out of an NES, I do not believe. Yeah, or the effects, like are the effects things that the NES could do or not do? Like the What's animations that? and the, you know, is there scrolling effects? And are there, like, that, that, that's always my question no, on these no things. scrolling like, effects, it's more of a, you go from screen to screen. Like there's a, a screen and you do what you do on yeah. there and it scrolls a little bit. Of, yeah, there's some scrolling and then you go walk into a different area. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I don't, I don't think I've played enough and I've paid close enough attention to what the NES could or couldn't do on some of the things yet when I played it I only played it 
you know, like I said, I did the first level. My wife was watching me play. My daughter's crawling around the couch on us and stuff. So, I my attention to all the minute detail was not there yet. But I I would be willing to bet the NES could not do uh, a lot of what it can do. Yeah, like like the speed of animations and things right, like that. Right. Exactly. The number yeah. of animations, the speed, you know, enemies, you know, as far as how it looks, the resolution, the sound. It's it's better than just you know it's got that it sounds it's like paying homage to it but also modernized it's it's like a modernized NES game I guess would be okay so it's it's not using an NES sound chip no yeah yeah so I mean that's that's fine like that's 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 you know cool that they did that but uh, I I always kind of a lot of these games that really tr- you know claim to be very close to a eight or sixteen bit or what you know whatever. Um, I find often pull up, pull off these tricks that you know, that hardware could never have done. Well, I don't think they're really trying to say it is an NES game. I think they're just trying to take some aesthetics and some of the gameplay uh, from some of their favorite games like that and make it into something new. And I think they do yeah. a very good job of that. The, the fact that it uses the DuckTales hopping is actually something that makes me less interested in the game. <laughs> um, it's... It uses that mechanic, say, if there's a gym up in the air somewhere and you can't get to it, where you jump and you do the bounce off that guy uh, and hit the thing. But I think um, my DuckTales is rusty. Can you do the hopping at any time on DuckTales? Or only if off Yeah, yeah, you can hop on your cane pretty much whenever. No, well, see, this game you can only, you have to stick the shovel down uh, when you jump and you only bounce if you hit an enemy or, or an object that uh, allows you to do so. So it's not a constant okay. mechanic; it's a sometimes mechanic. So it's more of like okay. a down a down attack, and you'll bounce upwards off of it. So it's using okay. strategic locations, but it's not you know it's not constant. You're not just bouncing around all the time. A lot of you do swings, and I think you can get a, 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 a attack with your sword. It also shoots a fireball. So it's that that mechanic's there, but it's not you know it's not it's not for everything. Hmm. But, uh, all right, I guess we'll get into our main discussion, our, our uh, E3 thoughts. Okay. Um, well, I'm trying to think about where to start. Uh, we want to just touch on a retro E3 discussion thoughts, or we want to just talk about our overall impressions, or how do you want to do this? Uh, well, I, I guess I didn't really think much about uh, <laughs> what at E3 appealed to retro gamers. I mean... Uh, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of sort of old franchises uh, reborn other than you know Conquer is in Project Spark and they uh, they're redoing the Phantom Dust uh, game for the, the Xbox One um, yeah I mean I guess that's kind of retro related stuff for me three but there there really wasn't a lot of old franchises that have been gone for a long time that have suddenly been revived or old studios that have come back or or anything like that am I forgetting things. Probably we are. Uh, I think maybe in some of the indie stuff or uh, some of the stuff at the end of some of the uh, press conferences might have touched that, on a few. That was announced? Oh, yeah. announced or or shown or expanded upon, though. Um, no, probably not a lot for retro gaming. <clears throat> though they did yeah. talk well, about ha- PS Now and the, the PS, uh, the PlayStation TV coming, which you can play PSP and... PS1 games on, so I guess that's somewhat retro news there. 
Yeah. Uh, we are getting a U.S. release of the PlayStation Now, which I will probably, or sorry, not place uh, the uh, PlayStation TV. Sorry, it was formerly called the Vita TV in Japan. So I will probably get one of those to play my Vita games on my TV. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I probably mm. won't even use it for the streaming. I'll just probably plug it in the same TV my PS4 is plugged into and play the Vita on it. So what what Vita games would you want to play on your TV? Uh, all of them. That and PSP games. Well, but I mean, the PSP games you can play on the TV already. Yeah, but it's not. I can, but not very well. I have to sit three feet from it on the floor with uh, component cables, and it's okay. all letterboxed yeah. in, and it's r- small. It, hmm. It's. Maybe if I had, you know, if I had a component monitor on my desk and I could sit here and play, but it's, I, while I have the cables, the experience isn't very good. Now, this, I could play my PSP games using a DualShock controller laying on my couch and looking at my TV. So. It seems weird that they're not using the uh, the PlayStation 4 controller with this, because it has you, a touchpad. I think you can use it. And, and can you use a touchpad as a duplicate of the Vita screen? Now, that I don't know, but I don't see how that would work very well. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's to me seems a pro- So, like, most Vita games have some kind of, uh, you know, occasional touch of the screen uh-huh. or the back pad or something. I could see it maybe being used for the back pad. Yeah. But not as the the screen touching. It, that would like, be- I don't know how you would play Tearaway. You can't. On the, right, like on Vita TV. But or how I you would play. I wouldn't want to play Tearaway anyway. <laughs> or, or even something like, uh, like the Killzone game or something. Like, I mean, I don't know, like... Like most most Vita exclusive games have touch controls built in in some form or fashion is kind of integral to the experience. Those you cannot do very well. Yeah, right. Well, so so if you're saying you want it, so basically you wanted to play PSP games on your. Well, TV. no, I play Vita <laughs> games on it too, but I I you forget what games I play on the Vita. I don't play actiony platforming games on the Vita. I play RPGs, but mostly. And so do the RPGs on the RPGs on the Vita not have touchscreen controls? No, nah, I mean uh, that or it's optional. But a lot of them, it, no, like Persona Four Golden, I don't think you use it. Stuff like that. Hmm. Okay. So I think for RPGs, there the stuff I play on the handhelds, I could, I could get away with playing on the the PlayStation TV and not have any issues. I don't think. Okay. I don't play a lot of touchscreen type gaming anyway, so it's. But I understand a lot of people's for the Vita TV would want to play those, and it would be a disappointment not to have it. So I, I think for that's why they changed it away from being the Vita TV to the PlayStation TV, and you can stream your PS4 to other TVs in your house. So they're trying yeah. to market it that way because most American gamers will probably use it for that. Or yeah, um, no, that's 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 pretty cool. Yeah. So, but, but I've also yeah. seen the PS Now uh, subscription costs, and they're laughable. Like the, oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, for Sony's sake, and for if they want to get that service to continue being anything viable, they will they will change that practice. But uh, if you're interested in looking that, you can search that up on Kotaku or other websites. That uh, there's several PlayStation Now rentals that are if they're currently priced correctly. Uh, a 30 day rental is more expensive than downloading and basically having the game for yourself. So good luck with that one, Sony. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other E3 discussion, uh, I guess 
what are some of the ASS talk about some of our highlights of it and uh, we'll wrap that up um, well I mean I guess I could talk by uh, by, by the press conferences like what, what I was sort of most interested in um, the Microsoft press conference uh, I don't know I mean I guess the new Halo sounds interesting to me um, but I, you know we're not going to get that till next year and the Halo box set Master Chief Collection doesn't sound especially interesting to me. Um, you know, I might play some of those games again, but I've played them recently enough, and most of them are in HD, so I, I don't, I don't really see the big incentive. And in if you want to play them online, basically, it's a hey, you can play Halo Two online, and if you miss yeah. any of these other ones, you can play them all through the single player again. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think what else. What else Microsoft even talked about? I, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit interested in the Fantasia game, maybe, because um, yeah. that's that's probably my favorite Disney film. Is my favorite Disney film. Um, what about that but, one game everyone's liking? Um, the kind of the cartoon, the uh, the comic looking one. I can't think of the name now. Comic looking one. Yeah, kind of the comic, but the 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 parody comic book. Oh, I can't think of the name now. Oh, um, not not uh, Sunset Overdrive or whatever. Yeah, Sunset Overdrive. That's it. Yeah, yeah. No, that that one looks good. That's an Insomniac game. Um, they they showed that last year at E three too. So, Sunset Overdrive. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. the one by Insomniac. I don't recall that being shown last year at E three. Yep. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested. It's kind of a, a wait and see, you know, well, what the reviews say, kind of thing. We're at the point with E3 that we can't... If we only talked about games that were announced at E3, we won't have much to talk about because they almost all get leaked ahead of time. Right, or just right. Like, so we, a lot of these games, though, had their first real showing at E3, which you start to actually get some meat and bones type of uh, information about them instead of just yeah. you know the, a, a, a name or a, a brief description. Yeah, there there wasn't. I mean, truthfully, there there was more more things at both the Sony and the Nintendo press conference that were of interest to me um, than the uh, than the Microsoft conference. So, I guess at, at Sony, um, you know, there wasn't there weren't a lot of things that were surprises, but there were things that I, I had initial interest in already that is now stronger. So things like the Order or things like Uncharted Four or uh, the um, the new game from uh, from studios that's pretty interesting. Um, no Man's Sky looks amazing. I mean, yeah, I've seen the video cool. of that from uh, I've seen the video of that from uh, whenever they showed it in in Europe or whatever, and uh, or at GDC or wherever they showed it, and that that looked great. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, Sony, Sony I thought had a really good showing in terms of the, the software. Um, it's probably just because they tend to put out games that interest me more. Um, than, than the other platforms. It's just you know, personal preference. Um, and uh, yeah, Nintendo shows some things that I'll probably eventually end up getting. So, um, like the the game with the squid shooting goo looks like it could potentially be fun. Um, the uh, you know the Toad Mario whatever game looks like it could potentially be fun. Um, you know I, I don't know what to think of the stuff they talked about for DS. I'm not interested in Smash Brothers, but my son is, <laughs> so I'll, pro- I'll probably end up getting Smash Brothers because he likes to play it. What I, what I should have talked about in games playing is I should have talked about Tank, 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 
for about a half hour because I've been playing so much tank, tank, tank for the last week and a half or two that it's uh, that's the game I've probably uh, spent the most time with on my Wii U in total at this point. So because you really enjoy it, or because your son really enjoys it to play with it. Uh, mostly because he does. I, I enjoy it as well. It's fun, but at this point, it's kind of lost his charm. But like he goes absolutely berserk over it like he jumps up and down on the couch and the, the, the game the game takes your picture and puts you into the game uh-huh. um and one of the things that it, it does is there's a, a mode where you get to be the monster and so it, it takes your picture and you're the monster and on the wii u screen you have you have the monster's view of the the city and uh, all the other players play as tanks and so you know he gets to he loves to be the monster take his picture and go around smashing all the tanks, including me. And uh, you know, he just—it's—it's it's a power trip for him, and he gets all excited. And the the monster shoots laser farts, and it's just like it's a perfect game for a you know almost five year old. Right. So, <laughs> but um, so I mean, so the Wii U stuff. You know, when I saw the the the, the, the Nintendo press conference, I saw a lot of things in there that uh, to me looked like they'd be fun to play with him. So you know, that's that's what Nintendo does. Um, the Zelda thing looked great, but that's, you know, that's far away. And yeah. um, uh, I don't know that I really care too much about uh, Little Mario Planet. Um, yeah, I don't care <laughs> about know. it at all. I, 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 I like Little Big Planet, but I don't I haven't spent too much time with the designing aspect, and uh, I don't think I would do that with a Mario game either. What do you think about so. the Amiibo? The what? The Amiibos? Oh, I don't care about those at all. And no. hopefully my son never finds out about them. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you don't think your son's gonna want little figures that uh, of his uh, Super Smash Brothers characters? I don't know. So so far, I've been able to uh, convince him that Skylanders is a waste of time. So because because yeah. for a very long time we would go into this go into a gaming section of a store and he'd see the Skylanders and he'd like make a beeline for them and be like Skylanders, Skylanders, like no, no, they're stupid. <laughs> So, so hopefully, hopefully I can keep that running with the. Uh, he has no interest in Disney Infinity, and hopefully, no Skylanders, no Disney Infinity. Hopefully, that continues with the uh, Nintendo Amiibo thing. So. See, my my wife likes the Amiibos. That she saw them, especially since they're Nintendo characters and getting to use them. But they they also seem to be a little more interactive than the others, where the games actually can write information back to the Amiibos, and you can unlock stuff in the games with them. And I think she would just like to have the figures just to have them. So I'm pretty sure I'll be having to buy some Amiibos. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if if I can get them and it pleases her and she enjoys them, then it adds something to my game experience, and I guess I won't be too upset about it. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I got the, those... You know, the... Uh, I, I am interested in Super Smash, so that's definitely uh, a Wii U game I'll have pre-ordered. Uh, Hyrule Warriors looks pretty cool. I think I could see some enjoyment out of that. I don't think I'd buy it right away. Maybe if it, I get it when it goes down in price a little bit. Um, the Zelda obviously is going to be a big game, but it's you know we didn't see you know the the big news is going to be more open world style. So, uh, but, you know, obviously we didn't see much at all, so... Uh. Yeah, Zelda, Zelda Skyrim would be pretty cool. Yeah, it looks cool. That that, that little painting screen looks pretty cool, but... <laughs> yeah, right. Are you, are you going to uh, are you gonna get Bayonetta 2? No, probably not. I didn't play the first one. Yeah, well, it comes with the first one. Yeah, uh, not that interested in it. <laughs> I mean, 
it's probably a decent enough game, but it's unless my wife. The only way I'm probably gonna get it is my wife's like, I really want to play Bayonetta too. Then I'll get it for her, but I probably yeah. won't get it for myself. So those look cool from Nintendo. Oh, the new uh, that Project Steam game, which is kind of an XCOM-ish, XCOM type game, 3DS. That looks good. That that I can yeah. see myself getting, for sure. Um, yeah. Obviously, the game I'm most excited about is Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, they they looks like they're correcting some of the mistakes that simulated were in two and making it. No, see, you need, yeah, they're not. I I really think you need to. Did you finish one yet? No. <laughs> All right. Well, finish one, and I I really think you need to play two because I think. Uh, I, I I take issue with the uh, blanket criticisms of that game. Well, I no, think the, especially the... especially especially with the DLC, that that game as a as a total whole is uh, just just as good as its predecessor almost. Just, oh. just just about as good. Just the way they changed combat is gonna make me not like the game as much. Yeah, try it. I think you um, might be surprised. De- well, I'll try it, but by default, I like the more strategic overhead. Pause, real-time pause, like Baldur's Gate-style gameplay, and they made Dragon Age 2 more like an action RPG. While I can still might say it's a good game, it's not going to be as good. And I hear they're they're bridging the gap more between 1 and 2 with Inquisition and making it, opening it up a lot more. So Yeah. No, I'm, I, that's, that's probably the uh, the game I'm most interested in that that's coming soon. Yeah, the, uh, let's see... Yeah, Batman Arkham Knight actually looked really impressive. The little tech demo they did when driving, playing yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. That, that looked cool. I also like the the order looks cool, but we also didn't really see enough. Uh, the Division, I think it's called, right? Division looked cool. I'm not sure. I'm really interested in Battlefield Hardline. Uh, I no, I played it. I played a bit of the, of the beta, and uh, yeah. Now, now, what was awesome was the Destiny Alpha. You played, you and me both played that. Yeah, and I played I'm that. really, I'm really, I'm really pumped for that game. It's, it's pretty good. I don't know. Hopefully, it'll hold my interest over time. I can see myself playing it and getting into it for like two weeks, and then be like, okay, I'm done with that. Hopefully, it doesn't happen, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, I, I like Evolve. That looks really cool. I really like the left oh, yeah, games. Yeah. So Evolve looks right at my alley, especially if I can get some friends to play with it. You know. Uh, that'd be a great yeah. land. Uh, I'll play that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that that'll be a good one. Bloodborne uh, looks like it could be good. Another Souls type game. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that. But you know, some of these games are. It's hard to tell how you know how they're actually going right. to be. Uh, but the No Man's Sky was another one that looked really cool. I think that's something me and my wife would both play together, and it, it that uh, that offers a lot of uh, fun. Uh, I've actually heard a lot of really good things about Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm interested in that one too. Yeah, yeah, I've heard nothing but you know, this game is really great. I'm surprised how great this game is, kind of things. It's very RPG yeah. light, I hear, but it's like a, a fun action RPG game that's uh, has yep. very solid gameplay. So that'll be something I, I give a, a look to. Uh, so I'm trying to think of what other. It's been a you know, it's, oh, uh, the new uh, Rainbow Six Siege game. I'm really excited about. It. I love the uh, Rainbow Six uh, Vegas games on uh, uh, that they had a few years ago. So uh, the, the new Rainbow Six game is uh, right up my alley. There, that's one of my more uh, my preferred shooter franchises. Yeah. You don't like the Rainbow Six games? No. Uh, so fun. Nope. 
So much better than your floaty halo. <laughs> and you're shooting each other like a million times. Oh, he finally died because I finally got through his shields. Halo is far from one of my favorite shooter franchises. <laughs> I do I do like the Halo games. Well, no, I, I like it games, too because I like you know. the sci-fi universe, but it's one. I think it's overrated, but I, I still enjoy it. I've played them all. I own them all. They're, they're so good, but I I really something always has captured me about the Rainbow Six gameplay, and I've really enjoyed playing that. Let's see anything else that comes to mind. I'm. I know I want to be like, oh man, I, I miss, I forgot about that one, and, and uh, there wasn't a lot of RPG talk for me. Sadly, oh, they had the little Final Fantasy typo, uh, Type Zero uh, fiasco type thing where they announced it for Vita, and then they're like, never mind, it's only for PS4 and Xbox One or something like that, which annoyed the, me. Uh... The, the Nintendo uh, Steam game uh, that, that's getting a lot of comparisons to to a game that I've I've probably played about two thirds of, but I don't know if you played. Have you played? Have you ever played Valkyria Chronicles? Yes. You did. Okay. Yeah. What did you think? What did you think of that? Because that that to me seems like it'd be a game up your alley. Yeah, it is. It's uh, I like Valkyria Chronicles. I need to play it more. I played it. A, I watched my roommate play it a bunch, and I played it a little bit, so I know how it plays. But I also tried not to get too involved with the story because I didn't want to ruin it for me, so... So you say your roommate, so this game, you were in college when this came out? No, I had a roommate after college. Right. Okay, so this is before you got married, though. Uh, I'm trying to think. Was I married? You're making me feel old. <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm not that... He, I had a roommate in my who rented a house, who, uh, a room in my house up until like two or three years ago. And, oh, okay. Uh, we were married, we didn't have any kids. But I had we first got an apartment together near work, which is, are pretty expensive. And he was he was my college roommate, and so him and my, uh, my my wife and I have known him for a really long time. So he rented a, okay. a room from us for a while, and then finally got his own place. But no, he uh, I guess this was whenever it came out, he was my roommate, and I, I watched him play it a lot. So two two thousand eight, I just checked. Yeah, so I probably. He, he stopped being my roommate in 2010 or 11. So. Okay. But yeah, anyway, uh, roommate stories aside, I watched him play a lot. Oh, another game I really look forward to is Civilization Beyond Earth, which you probably don't care for, but... It's kind of Alpha Centauri-ish? Yes. It's yeah. like uh, basically an Alpha Centauri remake, uh, modern version. And yeah. That's really close up there to Dragon Age Inquisition for me. As far as anticipation, mm. uh, you know, those games are right up my alley. So I think that's all the games I can think of that interested me. Are you disappointed you didn't go? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, it's one of those, you know, it's it's like you know, people say, oh, you could just watch the the conferences. It's better that way anyway. That some of the other RP gamer guys that you know we. Uh, I talked to you about who did go, and you know they say they say I'm better off, but it's kind of the same thing as going to a concert and then watching the concert on DVD. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's it's yeah, you can get all the same, you can hear all the same songs, but I think it's more of the you go for the experience, and I'm sure they've they've been you know probably a dozen times or at least half a dozen times now, so that novelty is worn off. But uh, it's one of those things that I want to at least go to once. And yeah, 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 you should go once, but yeah. <laughs> For me, the novelty wore off after like the first day. So you know. well, you 
See, when we went to PAX East, you like actually going into the playrooms and stuff. I didn't as much. Like, I didn't dislike it, but I enjoyed more checking out all the stuff, meeting the you know the people in the industry, doing the yeah. interviews, doing all that. I found I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. Now, four or five days worth, maybe it started getting old after a day or two. Uh, but I think a, a healthy, a little mix of playing some games, giving my impressions, meeting, you know, uh, the interesting people, talking with the developers, you know, face to face. That that all is really cool to me. So, yeah. You know, now, if I did it every single year, I could see it start being a drag. Though I am interested, I'd still be interested in going to PAX East, and especially now, I'm definitely going to go to PAX South every year I possibly can. So, yeah. Any other E3 thoughts you want to bring up? Um, well, I mean, we can I talk about the bet stuff. now. Talk about what? We can talk about the bet now, or we can talk uh, about bet. it later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was an E3 bet, so this is as good as place as any. I won the Zelda announcement. Dave got the no Last of Us announcement portion. And we had a little bit of a disagreement on the connect, where I was thinking more of a they didn't. I was thinking when we first talked about it, they just had to talk about connect in a meaningful way, which announcing a game for it. And then I went back and listened, and Dave had put some uh, disclaimers that they actually had to like demonstrate connect uh, live or something. So yeah, I didn't win that. They they had to talk about it in a substantive way. Which I suggested included things like demoing it or talking about its technical capabilities. Or well, I knew and, its technical capabilities wouldn't be talked about because everyone knows what the technical capabilities are. Now, I or, or showing how they worked in a particular game, that kind of thing. Yeah, no. yeah, but it was Dance Central. I mean, they announced a new game for it and the Fantasia game, really. So there was a little gray area there, but then. In my head, there was, but then when I went back and listened to it, Dave did say it, and I think I just kind of wrote it off in my head and didn't realize it. So, my intention so, with the bet wasn't what Dave's intention was. So I think we we were we had a little miscommunication, but technically, I guess you could say I lost. Right. So now I've I've given you the option to uh, to to get off the hook because of the misunderstanding. If you want, um, have no, you I opted to, to take that or not? No, okay. But so the thing I, I think. Is, they're also throwing out a bunch of songs that I have no. I mean, it's not going to be fun if I'm just sitting there trying to, trying to like even know what the lyrics are. You know what I mean? So it's. I guess I'd have to yeah. practice to a degree, or I don't know how to. Actually well, I, I I think probably the best thing to do. So so my suggestion was that we should find a, a song that has karaoke. Yeah. Uh, so that so that you can you know karaoke the song. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a video game song and. Um, I think probably the thing to do is some sometime between now and when this show goes up, because this, this is the show that you're supposed to do the singing for. So sometime between now and when this show goes up, um, we'll, we'll have to communicate over email or something uh, about a song or two uh, with karaoke versions on the web. And uh, you can, you know, you can do a couple runs, get it practiced, get it, you know, as, as perfect sounding as you can. And... Uh, and, and then save that file, you know, the karaoke version of you singing some song, and uh, send it to me, and we'll, we'll tack it on to the end of the show. Oh, all Does right. like, we'll sound like how, a plan? See how viable that will be. I'm not really even sure. This is the problem with video game songs is most of them don't have lyrics. Well, uh, but we obviously need songs. something with lyrics. You're yeah. not just going to hum. 
Right, sure. Well, that's what I'm saying. This yeah. is part of the difficulty in finding a song is they, most of them don't have lyrics unless they are licensed music anyway. Yeah. You really don't know the Marvel vs. Capcom 2 song? No, I do not know the Marvel vs. Capcom no. 2 song. I've, only, I don't, I've played it like twice. So. It, 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 has, it, has, it has one line that they just repeat ad infinitum. Yeah. Well, you, you yeah. gotta Martin. recall, I, uh, I didn't really, I never had a Dreamcast, so I, I skipped it on that, and then, I, besides the Soul uh, Caliber games, I don't really play fighters, so. Wasn't in my, the only times I played it is if I was at a friend's house, and I don't recall any music or anything on it. But yeah, hmm. most of the, most of the games I play don't have, music does not have lyrics. So what 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 song would you like? What what video game song with lyrics? If you could choose, would you choose to sing? Uh, I don't even know. I guess, but see, I I guess some of the can we count licensed music that's used in video games? I guess I would kind of count. Nah, that. nah. How does nah, that not count? Nah. There there is nah, a game nah. as much as any other song is. No, you can't like pick like you know some classic rock hit that shows up in a Madden game or something. No, no. Why not? No, that's because it's not. It's not a video game song. It is it's in the video game. They're using the other. No, songs. it doesn't count. No, no. Most <laughs> other video game songs do not have lyrics unless they're in. Uh, we're, we're talking about songs that were like. If you look at all the suggestions in that thread, there's suggestions of songs that appeared I, in a video game for the first time that, that the song came out. This was not part of the. Uh, th- this is a little. Uh, rules that have been added post. <laughs> post contest here. I'm no, I think that. actually, I think actually, the 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 only rule we had was that the community should get to decide. Yeah, but they're just throwing out ridiculous stuff. That no, we also said it, it, you also said it couldn't be something crazy like the Lunar Song, which that was one of the songs used as an example. As right. A, <laughs> so yeah, that, that was someone who's making suggestions without listening to the show. <laughs> exactly, they just read the forum thread. So it's mostly yeah. uh, a lot of these songs that are like that are just some lady singing Japanese with. You know, anyway, there's no way I'm going to be able to do anything coherently uh, listenable to that. Without well, I think that's the point. I think the point is to, you know, ha- have it be really horrible. But what, what would you say? Are you more of a, uh, a bass, a tenor? What's your, uh, what's your vocal range? I'm not a bass. Uh, I'm more mid-range. Like a te- like like a, are, are you a tenor, a soprano, an alto... Um, probably a mix between the middle two. Okay. Okay. Not a bass. So. I'm not the highest. What, the alto's the highest? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not an alto either. I can't get the real high shrill stuff going, but probably somewhere in the middle. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can find. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look for some karaoke versions and I'll enlist some people in that thread to be a bit more specific and helpful. Like and, uh, I could possibly see like the Fallout Three song, the the, the uh, some of the ones that play on the radio on that. Those are like old fifty uh, songs. What songs? Some of the old Fallout Fallout like Fallout Three songs that come on the radio, like some of the old forties and fifty songs. Yeah, but those aren't those aren't songs from a game. Yeah, they they're are they're in from a game. Fallout, and you you hear it all the time. But they're 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 old songs. They're not songs that are created for a video game. I didn't know. See, created for a video game was not the. If you want to, you, you, you pulled out technicalities on me about the, the other thing, so this was not necessarily part of the bet either. That No, well, we didn't, the, 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 you're right. It wasn't part of the bet. 
it was my way of understanding the bet, exactly. and, and your your way was broader. But I think the decision was that neither of neither your understanding nor mine was the one that mattered. It was what the community suggested. So yeah, and they're all over the place. They are, but none of them are suggesting like you know pop music that showed up in video games. No, they're just trying to suggest really crazy <laughs> stuff that usually have a very high pitched woman voice or singing in a different language. Right. Which, right. I think then it wouldn't be me singing; it would just be me stumbling around trying to trying to say the lyrics, and it's just going to be goofy. Yeah, well, it's going to be goofy but no matter what. If that's right. what they want, that's what they want, I guess. But it's not really. I thought I was actually going to sing something. <laughs> are you Are you much of a karaoke guy? Do you go to do karaoke from time to time? Uh, when I go, which is probably maybe once or twice a year, I'll do a few songs. I'm not okay. scared of it. I'll do it. Uh, Okay. I, I sing all the time in rock band, and I, you know, I'm not, I sh- you know, I don't shy away from singing. Basically, I wouldn't sing. Yeah, I, I sang, I sang a karaoke just yesterday, actually. Oh really? Yeah, I sang, I sang in the house. I sang. Uh, my my son wanted me to sing Iron Man, so I found a karaoke version of Iron Man, uh-huh. and he 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 was vastly impressed. Black Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he loves that song. Yeah. <laughs> I think the last think... one I did was uh, Bob Seger's Tur- "Turn the Page." Oh okay. So Not, I, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't opt for the Metallica version, huh? No, that I'd probably my vocal uh, version. If I, I could probably do the Bob Seger version better. <laughs> that and I, what other <laughs> ones I've done? I've done uh, Squeezebox from the Who. I've done a few Cake songs. Uh, what other ones have I done? I've done uh, the Journey song. No, I can't even think of it. Uh, the big karaoke song everyone knows that. Probably the iconic, their iconic karaoke song. The uh, I'm ashamed not to have the, the name of the song off the top of my head. Wait, uh, from who? Journey. Um, don't stop believing. Yeah, 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 that one. Yeah, yeah. I've sang that. There, there, I, I have it a, on I, fairly well. I I have a video of me being very drunk singing a uh, uh, a belted out version of "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me." <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's been a while since i've sang karaoke like at a at a bar um, yeah that's what i've done at the bars um i have yeah. a great aunt and uncle that go to this country western karaoke style bar about every weekend and we can and they have their birthdays there too so we occasionally get invited out there and you know what that's mostly country songs they also you know they'll have all the rock songs and stuff and i'll, I'll get up and sing a few of those and some other as, yeah. other, as do others but that's usually the extent of my karaoke. So I do it a couple times a year, and I think I've done it. We had it, did it with friends not too long ago when we had a like a lake house trip. So, yeah, yeah. I did do mm. uh, "What a Wonderful World" from. Uh, oh, nice! Yeah, Louis Armstrong. Yeah, I can kind of make my voice do the Louis Armstrong thing. My wife thinks it's hilarious. So <laughs> that and like the when the Saints go marching in, I can do that for a little bit until my throat just hates me. So. <laughs> all right well i'll have to take this information and try to figure out what uh, what would be a good song you know to have you sing so i don't know it's a tricky tricky question there's not a lot of video game songs in that kind of style <laughs> no i mean it, like i said it's either if your video game songs have lyrics are typically in japanese most yeah. western developers use licensed music for their game or they they just have symphonic music so with no with no lyrics. 
yeah. we've kind of gone off on a tangent on that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't we go ahead and finish this up with the forum threads of the Fortnite because uh, we didn't have much in the uh, the way of questions and feedback that weren't about this bet anyway. So right. let's, let's go ahead and wrap it up with these forum threads. All right, mine is the cyberpunk thread, which I've always enjoyed. You know, I really like the idea of cyberpunk, and then I go and I kind of think about it, and there's really not a lot of media that's cyberpunk. It seems no, it's like a, it's a is. fairly niche genre. Yeah. It, it, for some reason, if I think, oh yeah, there's tons of cyberpunk, but then you look at it, no, there really isn't a ton of cyberpunk. It's kind of, it is kind of niche. Uh, but Shadowrun is one of my big ones. Shadowrun, it, things if I think cyberpunk, I think Shadowrun and Blade Runner, basically. Yep. And I, uh, it's a game I love and a movie I love. Uh, I, I'm, you know, leaving out some other notable ones like you know Deus Ex and and some anime and. I've actually never read Neuromancer, which I probably should. Oh, yeah. William Gibson's stuff is great. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there is the new cyberpunk game that CD Projekt uh, Red's coming out with, and I'm really looking forward to that. So hopefully that'll be a good one. But I just wanted to talk about bring this up and kind of discuss, lightly discuss cyberpunk and, and gaming and stuff. And I thought this was a very interesting thread. Yeah, no, I, I I like that this thread exists. It was a good, it was a good idea. Uh, it's a great genre. Um, yeah, I think that uh, it's it's a genre of fiction that uh, gets to gets to gets to allow for sort of uh, explorations and expressions of of identity and of society and that that, that a lot of other fiction uh, can't do as well, right? Like this kind of the one one of the really interesting things about it is the. Uh, the, um, the 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 malleability, the sort of pliability of of so much of the world and so much of the characters uh, enabled through technology and, and 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 how that I think lines up in a lot of ways to kind of where uh, where history has moved, right? Like I mean, one of the interesting things about cyberpunk is that yes, it has this kind of like relic of the uh, early twenty early twentieth century crime and uh, noir. I mean, there's a big noir element, obviously, in yeah. cyberpunk. Like, there's there's a lot of that there, but um, it, it marries yeah. that with with the way that technology itself has kind of moved in the in the into the 21st century now. In, I think really there's a lot ways. of noir in cyberpunk. I think it's more of like a subgenre of it. It's not necessarily inherently cyberpunk. It's just so much of the media that's popular cyberpunk happens to have elements of noir, so it's kind of been lumped together. But I don't think it's it's necessarily needs to be there. I guess. Yeah. Like basically, because Blade Runner that that had both, and so it's kind of they're associated now because of some of the big bigger names. But I think that you don't really need that to be there for it to to work or for it to be considered cyberpunk. I, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I posted in that thread that I I wrote, actually wrote a uh, an encyclopedia article about cyberpunk. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I read some of it. I, I, I was at work and I was on my phone, so I kind of glossed yeah. through it. But it's only like two pages. It's not very long. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that I don't know if you consider it cyberpunk, and I, I was thinking about it, and I, I think it probably could be is RoboCop, the original ones. Yeah. No, I, I actually talked about RoboCop and Terminator. Oh. Both. Okay. Yep. In that in that article. Yep. Yeah, I can see Terminator being being so as well. Yeah, sort of augment augmentation of the body, yeah. you know, through technology. Yep. 
But I definitely think RoboCop's right, you know, right, right up in there is a very different style of it, but that same kind of, yeah, uh, you know, definitely different style than Blade Runners. It, 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 but like, like, like I think I'd only count the first Terminator, like not the subsequent ones. Yeah, yeah, that I would agree with that. And then I love, yep. I love Shadowrun. I love the, uh, and I need to play Shadowrun Returns. I kickstarted it and was really anticipating it, and still haven't even played it. And, well, the, the one thing that I, that I ended up, uh, like, reading a lot of when I wrote that article was, uh, oh, was it called, called, have you ever seen the um, the magazine from the 90s on Cyberpunk called Mondo, Mondo 2000, I think it was, something like Mondo 2K, or have you ever, have you ever, have you ever seen that magazine? I do not, have not seen that. Not. You, sh- you should look it up. It had, like, a five-year run um, oh. in, the, in the 90s of... Uh, basically like a magazine about cyberpunk culture right so i mean this is basically you know pre-web um in terms of like where people would go it was it was at a time where sort of like subculture niche magazines could really flourish right yeah. that, that's not so much the case anymore um nope. um but uh it, it was uh it was a, a magazine that basically published stories and fashion and um you know, ideas and, and essays and uh, stories that were all about and driven by uh, notions of cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think uh, if you were probably to talk to and and having knowing this now, like if we were to talk to the uh, folks behind um, Shadowrun again, I mean, I, I would guess that the folks who did Shadowrun, the the folks who did the Terminator, Robocop films, you know, Cameron, and and the folks who did um, uh, some of the the '90s and and since cyberpunk stuff probably read that magazine or have familiarity with it as as something that informed their uh, hmm. their thinking about the genre. Yeah, I might need to check that out. To me, cyberpunk always just screams '80s. It like embodies the '80s to me. The '80s, huh? Yep. I always get that '80s vibe, you know, the the New York street gang, maybe maybe late '70s to '80s, you know, okay. the, uh, the New York street gang vibe, all the you know, kind of. Actually, I would almost say stuff like, you know, the, this thing you know, like Escape from of, New York. Yeah, and, or you know, even like a game like Streets of Rage, that kind of vibe to it, but. Obviously, mm. with with all of the cyber stuff added in, that's the punk vibe, I guess. I guess the the you know late seventies, early eighties, mid eighties had that you know the big countercultural punk movement too. So that that the, the punk portion of it's probably a, yeah, like 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 punks who get into technology, cyberpunk, right? Yeah, so. yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So that's why it always it always makes whenever I think of cyberpunk, I just think of the eighties and eighties movies and eighties culture. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fair. But uh, enough um, about that. Uh, you you have a piece of news, I guess, and we'll wrap it up. Yeah, well, so the last uh, forum thread of the Fortnite that uh, we'll talk about is the one I picked, which is the uh, the thread on the indie gaming bubble popping. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is uh, an article that uh, JT posted, who basically uh, is, is suggesting that, you know, we've reached a point where... Um, since maybe about 2007, 2008 or so, uh, indie gaming has been growing and uh, getting more and more popular and more and more people have been able to, to find some success in it. 
Um, but, uh, you know, citing things like the lack of games played on Steam, citing things like the, uh, you know, increasingly dropping prices <laughs> of indie games, uh, suggesting that the indie gaming uh, boom has perhaps begun to pop, that mm-hmm. uh, we're going to see a, a retraction of the number of games coming out from independent publishers that get any kind of, uh, you know, any kind of a retraction of the traction, right? So, so you get any kind of real uh, interest from communities that, that get any kind of publicity that are able to do kind of interesting novel things the way that uh, that they did for maybe the past five years or so. I think anything. So I, I don't know if you concur or what you think of this. Yeah. No, I think anything that gets some kind of popularity, you're always going to have your naysayers. So, oh, well, it's going to end. You know, it's just. They get its clicks, it, you know. It's like the everyone saying PC gaming is dead, and then everyone saying console gaming is dead. And obviously, they're not dead, uh, but they just want to say there are just to, to stir up the stir up conversation, I guess. So, you know, I think the indie game is going to keep being strong, and it, they're, they're well. There's a di- there's a difference between saying it's dead and it's pop and the bubble well, is popping. Well, when you pop a bubble, you kind of kill things. You kill the market at least. You're suggest no. You're suggesting that it's it's going to have to dial back considerably. Well, when they say PC gaming is dead, obviously they know that it's not going to go away completely. But right. for it being, I think saying a consoles are dead or PC gaming is dead, they're they're saying it's going to come out of the mainstream and go back to being niche or something or only niche or only a small following. Which I guess if you say the bubble on indie games popping would kind of do the same thing, would it not? Hmm. I think that part of it's financial, right? Like part of it is that uh, the the incentive for people to uh, go about creating indie games and you know putting them on greenlight or kickstarting them or trying to get onto the PSN or whatever. I mean that the the financial incentive for that is going away because the audience has reached a point of, of saturation. Well, and I don't think most of the people that are making indie games are trying to get, or have any aspirations are actually going to get rich from it. I think they're trying to... You don't? Do, no. I mean, I think maybe they're trying to make a, a living from it, to, to a degree, of course, but I, I think, well, I mean, I'm sure some, you know, they would like to strike it rich and sell, you know, 20 million copies, uh, but only a few actually do that, which most of them do is they... They have a, a love or a project or something they really want to play and they want to make it. Now, I think some of the mobile game makers who are trying to uh, throw up some games on there, you know, to be the next Angry Birds or the next Flappy Bird or whatever you want to, are uh, maybe trying to strike it rich or, you know, trying to retire early type of thing. But I think a lot of the indie games that, that are good games that we see. That are you know fairly usually love letters of uh, developers to to make the game they want to and, and get some experience under the belt and kind of do things their own way uh, while still being sustainable I guess uh, I wouldn't say the indie bubble's gonna pop I'd say the market is getting sat more saturated so it's hard it may be harder to sift through and see what's quality and what's just not. I mean, just because, you know, something's indie doesn't mean it's going to be a novel idea or, or inherently good or anything. You're, you're going to have your good stuff and your bad stuff just like anything else. You're just going to see more options. So, you know, there is only there is only so much for the, the dollar to spread around. But I think you're still going to get your indie darlings. They're still going to make their money. And uh, we're also seeing a lot of support from, you know, say, like Sony on No Man's Sky. So these, these games that 
kind of hit the mark really are, are, are going to take notice. But it's also, you're going to see maybe some of the pure indie phasing out as we get in some of these uh, medium-sized companies, these like indies that are no longer indies. And it's kind of, I think you know, I think we've discussed this before where you, you kind of get these uh, mid-level publisher, indie publisher type companies where if you're actually having someone publish for you, you're really indie anymore, but... Um, and they're also getting, you know, the, the mid-level uh, companies that were, you know, five, four or five-man teams. Now they're turning into, like, 20, 30, 40-man studios. And they're getting a little big, and they kind of bridge that gap between small-level indie and triple-A. You know, these kind of maybe double-A uh, games or whatever you want to call them. So I think we're starting to see that middleman market emerge a little bit again as stuff like Steam gives them a bit more viability and and support from things like you know Xbox Live and the PSN and, and Sony and Nintendo. So I think we're I think the market's healthy for them. And I think they're I think they're just fine. I don't think there's any bubble that's going to burst. Every anything that's popular, you are always going to have someone say that bubble's going to burst. And eventually, it's not going to be it's not going to rise like it was meteorically anymore. But I think it's uh. And now really accepted that people have, re have realized that indie games just aren't little crappy games anymore, you know, they're, or, or if they ever were really, but they, there's always been indie games and uh, they're they're definitely there to take notice if you, if you want to. You know, some you, You're going to get your some that only want big production value games, but I think a lot of more gamers are getting their eyes open to, hey, you know, this game you know didn't cost $20 million to make, but it's still a lot of fun. It doesn't need to have the, the highest everything. So I think there's room for both to exist, and I think there needs to be both existing so you can satisfy uh, all the different types. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to yeah. sneeze there. But mm. yeah, my little uh, ranting is over. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much more to say about it other than what you said. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, uh, I, I, the label indie at one point, I mean, the article kind of makes this point, the label, you know, oh, indie game, let's see what's kind of new and interesting and not being represented by the mainstream companies. Like, um, that is losing the sway that it had five years ago, four years ago, three years ago. I mean, I think that that idea has decreased in gamers' minds as, like, oh, indie is going to be something that I can't find elsewhere. Like, if it's an indie game, this must be something new and fresh and novel. I think because so many indie games are so many, are so similar in many ways that it's, it's just a few of them that really kind of stand out amongst a flood of copycats or a yeah. flood of trying to cash grabs or a flood of, uh, you know, games that are similar but with a different hook of some sort so so i, I mean i asked this question about um the game on the forum recently the um they bleed pixels games or whatever it was called. like there was a flash sale um which is basically like super meat boy but like gothic with a cthulhu kind of vibe like i mean like it's basically super meat boy but it's it's got a you know sort of a slightly different bent to it um i, I think you see a lot of that in indie gaming i think that's probably those games won't find success. I think it's it's you know it's a crowded market where only a few will really break out. Where it, whereas it used to be a market where only a few were in it because they wanted to do something that wasn't represented elsewhere. Yeah. So. Well, 
there's that, and you know, just like anything else, you got to be a conscientious buyer. You got to. I think we have the tools where a lot of these bubbles burst before, when you know, especially the gaming bubbles burst, where they made a whole bunch of crap. People were buying the crap, got pissed at buying games. We have you know the tools now, online video, reviews, uh, screenshots, you know, summaries right. that you can get a pretty good idea by looking at something and seeing if it's for you or not, or if it's actually of quality or not. So, I think. Uh, those type of tools now not everyone's going to use those and not everyone's going to be a smart buyer but I think we have that cap- the capability now to really kind of weed out what's good and what's not it just takes a little little extra effort to, to look through all the different options now. yep so okay well um, I think that, that probably wraps it up for that uh, anything else that uh, you want to add before we wrap up the show nope I think uh, we've kind of gone on longer than we anticipated to so I think so. So, we'll, we will uh, we'll remind you to uh, follow us on Twitter at, at RacketBoyPodCST to uh, keep up with uh, threads in the forums about the show and, and otherwise uh, let us know what's on your mind. If you have suggestions for guests or comments or criticisms that you want to let us know uh, by email, you can do so at podcast at RacketBoy.com. Uh, so, I guess that'll wrap it up for the 75th installment of the Racket Boy podcast, kind of a, a minor milestone, I guess. And uh, I guess until next time, then uh, here will be John to Maybe. put you to to put you in some kind of mood. <laughs> Actually, John's not going to be providing the ending music for this particular episode. Uh, he has promised to sing for us in the near future, but it didn't work out for this one. So until next time, here's some other music to put you in the mood.